0: Hallelujah. This is a house. Amen? And we've been spending literally six months talking about this is a house, and today I want to talk about this is a house of celebration. We are celebrating the most impactful moment in world history. It is this moment that defines life for you and I. It it defines life for this whole world, this moment in history. I've grown up in the church. And one of the things that sometimes can happen when you grow up and you you just hear it over and over and over again. And this week I'm looking at it and thinking about it And you say, gee, Pastor, you're like 50 years old. Just say 50. You don't have to put the number behind the zero. Just, you know, like I'm in my 50s. That's, That's all you have to say. You don't have to say the exact number. But like I'm in my 50s, and I'm sitting there going, he actually died. Like, sometimes when you're in a Sunday school or you grow up, sometimes you read the story and you just flip to the next page. But he actually went to the cross. And as I was reading the scriptures this week, there are scriptures where it says his spirit was in agony. When he went to pray, he said, Father, if there could be another way, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours. And it said he had drops of blood, sweat drops of blood. The intensity of what he went through, I don't want to sugarcoat it or make it less impactful. He literally died. He gave his life for you and me. We read about it and we go, well, yeah, but I know he rose from the dead. But at that moment... Those people that were there weren't looking at three days ahead. They were looking at that moment, and they were, like, agonizing. And then three days later, they went, and they saw the stone rolled away, and it changed, and all of a sudden, things started to click. And they remembered, oh, this is what he said. Oh, this is what happened. And and things started to fall into place. This morning, we are celebrating... Our king. Our king is alive. He died, but it says in the Bible, and in history, there is recorded events in history, that they saw him after he died, risen again. And he gave himself proof to his disciples and to those who followed him. It was like, I think, 50 days or something to that effect that he would come and he would meet with them. We don't serve a king who's dead. We serve a king who's alive, who actually conquered death. You and I do not have to fear death. Don't fear death. What I have found is this life is not everything. I might live here 80 Ninety years, as long as you can bear me. But I will live here for many years, but my eternal home and my real home is with the king. And what I have found is when I have a life or a mindset that realizes I don't live just for today, but I live for eternity, it changes my decision-making. Now, it doesn't mean, I'll be honest, I enjoy this world. I enjoy the flowers. I enjoy the colors. I enjoy the smells, except in the springtime in the farm. But otherwise, I enjoy the smells. I enjoy creation. I enjoy the. I mean, we have one of the most beautiful vistas that you can have. We drive along the freeway, and we're surrounded by gorgeous mountains. I mean, that's beautiful. But heaven's going to be even better. And our lifetime now cannot and does not compare to eternity or eternal life with the king. That wasn't even my sermon. <laughs> now, we've been talking about this as a house, and I want to I celebrate the king today. I am so thankful that I serve a God who gives me hope. I serve a God who has a future for me. I serve a God who gives me more than just what I need to get by. The king I serve meets everything that I need and then has more. And not only that, but he meets the need for whoever calls on him. He doesn't go, oh, gee, I hit my quota. I'm good for like 375218 and sorry, you're 219. I'm sorry. No, he is good enough for beyond what was ever needed. And as we celebrate the cross, what, what I'd like to, to bring to our attention is the focal point of the cross. And when I talk about the cross today, I'm not just talking about just the cross, but I'm talking about the events that led up to the cross They call it the Passion or the Passion Week. And then there was three days after the cross where he woke from the dead. He rose from the dead. And in those three days that he was dead, he didn't just lay in the tomb, but he went to hell and he grabbed the keys of life and death and he said, no, I rule. And he took those keys. And it says he led captivity captive. I mean, we... I talked about last week, Hollywood can't even paint this picture. Hollywood can't paint the picture of how amazing our king is. And what it does is when you read the Bible, what you find out is in the Old Testament, things point towards the cross. They point Towards the cross, towards what Jesus was going to do. The whole thing in, the, in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible where it established the tradition or the, the law, it's called the law, and it established the way people lived and the way they approached God in the Old Testament before Jesus came. And those things were pictures or symbols or images of Christ. For instance, the word Passover, which we celebrate, was where they put the blood on the door, and they put it on the top of the door, uh, the header across the door. And God said, listen, when I pass over you and I see the blood of the lamb, I will not kill. But those people that did not have the blood over their door, there was death. But those inside that house were protected by the blood. And that was a picture of the blood that Jesus would shed for you and I. The feasts and all the celebration that the children of Israel had in the Old Testament were pictures of the best and the most complete feast, and that was Jesus. And he fulfilled those feasts. He fulfilled one after another after another. And if you read in Hebrews, it says that Jesus became our high priest. And in the Old Testament, the priest would pray for the people that had committed sins. And you'd come and every year. You brought sacrifices, and every time, and you were always aware that you were falling short, and you were always aware because you had to bring something. You had to bring a, a lamb. You had to bring turtle doves. You had to bring something if you had a sin offering, a trespass offering. And you brought them forward, and the priest would pray over them. They sacrifice them, and then you would be cleansed from it, and you would be free of it. But then you'd have to do it again. And you were never really free of the condemnation because we were, as people, if you realize it, we are constantly tripping up. We're constantly tripping up. And you say, well, that's the people out there. No, that's you and me. Sometimes the worst things we can do is to each other. And, and in the Old Testament, they were constantly tripping up, falling short, and they had to come year after year, month after month to present an offering to come before the priest, and the priest would accept the offering, and they would be cleansed, and their guilty conscience would be at least relieved for that time. But then they'd go home, and if they made a mistake and they trespassed, they'd have to do it again. Jesus came, and he took all of that in one sacrifice 2,000 years ago and it was enough for eternity. And the picture in the Old Testament, picture of him who is the best, who is complete, who is whole, and he satisfied it once and for all. That's the king I serve. So when you read in the Old Testament, it points towards This cataclysmic, I knew I was going to have problems with that word. Cataclysmic, this big event, this huge event, everything points to it. And then you see, as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the New Testament, what happens is it points back to the completed work. My brother and my sister, everything you and I Can hold on to is found in the work of the cross. Don't add anything to it and don't take anything away from it. But celebrate everything that He accomplished. When He was on the cross, He said these words, It is finished. And my sermon's not finished, but He said, It is finished. And when he said it in the Hebrew, in the language of the day, it meant paid in full. He paid the price for David in full on the cross. He paid the price for each one of us here on the cross. He paid the price for everyone in Langley, Mission, Abbotsford, Chilliwack and beyond he paid the price once and for all and he said it's paid in full And as I meditate and as I think about God and as I sit down and I just contemplate what he's done I go back to the fact That I serve a king Who gave everything he had? So that I could have everything he has And this cross, we may wear it as a necklace, we may have it as a steeple in churches, but it is more than just a symbol. It is a picture of the sacrifice of the king. In the Old Testament, it points to it. In the New Testament, it points back to it. So everything that I, as a person, can hold on to, I find because of what Christ did. So in other words, my forgiveness of my sin is because he paid the price for my sin. So I can walk in freedom of sin. In fact, when I accept his work, I want to mess with you a little bit here. When I accept the work of the cross, I am Free, I accept him and I believe in him and I accept what Christ did. It says that I am free from sin. There was this exchange that happened and God said, not only is your sin taken care of, but now David, you are free from sin. Doesn't mean I don't struggle, but what it means is sin does not control me anymore. It is one of the most complex, complicated aspects that because we have this inner struggle. We have this we have life around us that seems to always throw up and come up in front of us. But I don't live my life based on sin. I live my life based on him paying for my sin. And I live a life whole, complete and free because of him. My faith rests on the complete paid in full. Everything that you and I may struggle with, everything that you and I may have to try to deal with and in life and trying to get over some of the frustrations, whether it's a frustration in a relationship, whether it's a frustration in purpose, whether it's a frustration in my career, whether it's a frustration in finances, whether it's a frustration in health, it does not matter. Jesus paid the price once and for all, completely and wholly, so that you and I can live a new life. I can't, that blows my mind. He is so good. He's so good. It says in Romans, I've got a few verses from Romans, but in Romans 5, verses 6, verse 8, and verse 10, it gives three different descriptions for you and I. And it starts with, in that passage, he says, you know, talking about Jesus, and he says, for somebody that's good, ah, somebody might die for them. And maybe for somebody that's right, somebody would give their life for them. And then he says, but while you and I were helpless, he died for us. While we were helpless. Then he continues on, and he goes, yeah. While you're helpless, and he goes, oh, by the way, not only while you were helpless, but while we were sinners, contrary to him, breaking the rule, stepping over the line, missing the mark, we were not good enough to do it on our own. While we were in that capacity, which is we were born in that capacity, he says while we were in there, he died for us. And then he continues another verse later, two verses later, he goes, oh, by the way, while you were enemies, he died for you. In other words, there ain't nothing good in me that can make it right. I'll use bad grammar just to say that he saved me and now I can use good grammar. There ain't nothing good in me that satisfied or made amends But it was the complete work of Him. While I was an enemy, He died for me. I'm I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for God. Because left to myself, and if I could put in parentheses, and left to ourselves, parentheses. We ain't good enough. We can't figure things out. The last two years has been a pretty good example of that. We can't figure it out. But by the grace of God, when we're desperate, when we're unable when we're incomplete, when we're frustrated, when we're banging our head against the wall, when we're kicking the wall, when we're putting our fists through the wall, when we're screaming, when we're frustrated, when we're using words we shouldn't use, in all of that state, he still loved us enough to say, I died for you so that you could live with me. While we were sinners, if you read in... I I wrote down these four chapters, uh, Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. No, I'm not going to preach and read all of them today, this morning. I've only got 7 minutes and 23 seconds counting down. And it counts down fast. You might not think so, but when you're up here, it goes fast. But I went through there, and I I wrote down 16, 17, 18 different things. So I want to read some of those to you. And if you want, you can come and see me later, and I can show you where they're found. But he gave us a free gift compared to the transgression. The transgression demanded something from us. And he came and he says, I've got a free gift for you. I want to highlight the work of Jesus It says in Romans 5.21, As sin had reigned in death, so now grace reigns through eternal life via or because of Jesus Christ our Lord. You and I, the moment we accept Christ as our Savior, we pass from death into eternal life. Eternal life doesn't start when I die. It started when I died to sin. When I accepted Christ, I became dead to sin, and it changed my address. It changed my future completely. I live right now in eternal life. I live right now with my heavenly home in picture and in perspective. It says in Romans 6, 7, Romans 6, 8, and Romans 6, 22, he who is dead is freed from sin and alive with Christ. And then it says in Romans 6, 10, and 11, he died, he really died so that we could live. What an exchange. There's an exchange that happens at the cross That does not happen anywhere else in the history of Christianity or in the history of the world. There is an exchange that happens that the king, the creator who walked among his created, gave his life so that his creation and his creatures, the ones he created, could have a new life in him. I'm almost excited. This is my happy face. Because of what Jesus did, I can face tomorrow. Because of what He did, I live the future that is eternal, that has no end, does not diminish, that only gets better. Because what I have found with Christ is He does not decay, He improves. says in Romans 6:14 sin is not my master but grace has become my lead i live under a whole new set of rules you live under a whole new set of rules it's the rule of grace the law of grace which is his empowerment to live a life pleasing to him It's a life of favor. It's a life of goodness. It doesn't mean we don't have struggles. Please, don't misunderstand me. But because I have struggles, I have grace. And His grace is sufficient for me. I don't know how I would do life without His grace. Because I've faced some things that I've looked at, square face, eye to eye, that have been overwhelming that have been depressing, that have been sad. And all I can say, it's because of his grace, his strength that I can face tomorrow. It's not because of me. It's only because of him. It's because of his work And his gift on the cross that he gave his life and he says, now I will let you have the life I have, which is a life of overcoming, is now your life to live. It says in the Bible that we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. I no longer live with my own perception and my own limitations. I now live as a son or a daughter of the king, and my dad paid the price, and what he has is become what I can enjoy. Why? Because of this. Because of the cross. When you talk to Pastor Nelson, he has studied the cross, he's written a book about the cross. And I'd sit with him and he'd just say, David, the cross is the most important part of our life. It's the most important part that we can ever experience. We've got to understand what Christ did at the cross because what Christ did at the cross is he defeated sin and now you and I can live on this side of the cross, free from sin, free from harassment, free from the chains of bondage, free of those things that bother us. Why? Because of what he did on the cross. Not because of me, but because of him. I am so happy and thankful for my king. A buck 41 left. Does Anybody believe in miracles? You do, but not in my preaching. Um, Here, I'm going to just, I I, want to read these to you. We're freed from sin. The benefit results in sanctification, which has the outcome result of being eternal life. The free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Old Testament does not govern, or the law, the rules, the tradition, the way to approach. Now it's because we have the, the king who has grace. We serve in a newness of spirit, not the oldness of the letter. We we serve and we live in the newness of spirit. He who sets me free from this inner conflict, the law of life governs, not the law of sin. I may have this conflict inside of me. I want to do good and I don't. But I have inside of me this law that governs, and it's called the law of life and liberty in Christ Jesus. Says in Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. There's no con what what about this? What about there's no condemnation. We need to start living as if we have no condemnation. Quit beating yourself up. Instead of looking in the mirror and beating myself up, look in the mirror and say, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. He paid the price for me. I can walk in newness of life. I don't have to face the old things and struggle with those, but I have this grace in me and his grace on me, which is overcoming those things around me. We serve the most powerful, mighty king in the world. And not and he is not a king that holds back, but he's a king that says, here it is for you. Now, I'm out of time, but I'm going to keep going. The law, of the, life, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Jesus beat sin and death when I was unable to do that. The spirit of him, listen, listen to me. This is my end one. I'll stop here. Thank you for not saying hallelujah. But I smell hot dogs. I'm now in competition. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. Amen. The spirit, the spirit, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. I have living inside of me a resurrection spirit, a spirit that is not bound by death. In fact, it's a spirit that has conquered death. I have living inside of me. You have living inside of you as a believer and as a follower, as a learner of Jesus, as somebody who says, I put my life and my trust in him. When that exchange happens, he comes and his life comes inside of me. And now I'm not, I don't live according to the laws of sin. I live according to the spirit of life that is a resurrection life inside of me. You and I have resurrection life inside of us. Hallelujah. That was my crescendo. I'm so thankful for the King. And my prayer for you this Easter is that you would get a revelation, a revealing an opening up of what Jesus has done for you. Because I have found, being in the church for over 50 years, that I never will ever understand or ever see the limit of what God has done but he just completely opens up more. He opens up more. He opens up more. And my prayer for you today is whatever you're facing, whatever is causing you to lose sleep, whatever is causing you to have angst, whatever is causing you to be frustrated, whatever is causing you to want to run and flee and flight, whatever's causing that, my prayer for you today is that you would get a revelation of the resurrection life, the overcoming life of Jesus Christ, and that you would see, I don't have to submit to that because his life is in me, and now I can overcome because of what he has done. That, my friend, is just a little bit of a picture Of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ the same spirit that raised him from the dead lives in you and me and this Easter my prayer is that we would get a glimpse of his resurrection power personally amen I'm gonna pray a blessing over you and then pastor Brenda's gonna have a couple announcements The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. Pastor Brenda, now's the...